ayah number 46. Qul say, ara'aytum, have you considered? Did you see? Did you ever reflect? In if, akhadallahu, Allah took, meaning if he took away, sam'akum, your hearing, wa abusarakum, and your vision, wa khatama, and he set a seal, ala qulubikum, upon your hearts. Then in this case, man who ilahun is that God, ghayrullah besides Allah, yatikum bih, who would bring you it. Yatikum, he would bring you bihi with it. Meaning, who is that God besides Allah who could bring you back your hearing, your vision, and your heart? What's the answer? No one can replace that for you. No one can bring that back to you. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give that to you. Unzur, look, kayfa how nusarrifu, we diversify. Al-ayat, the proofs, thumma then whom they yaslifun, they turn away. Look at how we diversify the evidences and the proofs, but yet it's amazing how these people turn away. They don't understand. Nusarrifu is from the root letter sadrafa. Sarrafa yusarrifu tasrif is to take something back and bring it again in a different way. Okay? To take something back and bring it again in a different way. So this is tasrif. To present something in different ways. To diversify. Why? So that if a person has not understood it in one way, perhaps he will understand it through some other way. Perhaps he will understand it the next time. So look at how we present the evidences and the proofs, the examples in different ways. But yet, it's amazing. Look at them, how they turn away. Yaslifun is from sadafa, saddalfa, and sadafa is to turn away. So in this ayah, what is being said? Basically, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking us that, have you thought about this? If Allah took away your senses, your eyes, your ears, Hmm? your heart, so that you wouldn't be able to see, you wouldn't be able to hear, you wouldn't be able to feel. Is there anyone, anyone at all, even if they claim to be God, even if people say they are God, can they fix your hearing for you? Can they fix your vision for you? Can they fix your heart for you? No, they cannot. And we see this, that these days, despite the advancement in technology, in medicine, if a person's eyesight is weak. Yes, it can be treated, but it can never be made perfect again. It will always have some kind of deficiency. Similarly, hearing. If a person had hearing loss, it can be fixed with some kind of hearing aid. But is it as good as an ear? Never. It's never as good as an ear that functions properly. So, and this is a warning as well, that think about it. If Allah took away something as small as you're hearing, who can give it to you? Nobody can. And you know that nobody can. This is why we see that if we are ever experiencing such a problem, first of all, we run to the doctors, then we look for alternate treatments, and then when nothing works, then people go for umrah, they go for hajj, they keep making dua, and they hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will fix their problem for them, whatever it may be. But it shows to us that we are so weak before Allah, we are so dependent on Him, that if He takes away our vision, our hearing, we are nothing. We cannot do anything to replace that. We can do nothing to have it back again. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give it. 
And then this is, is another lesson that if there's any person who finds that their vision is getting weaker and weaker, or that their hearing is getting weaker and weaker, then who should they turn to? Who should they turn to? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because who can fix your hearing and your vision for you? Only Allah. Only Allah can fix it for you. The other things that are available in this dunya, they're only aids. They're not a complete treatment. Okay? Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can cure. Likewise, وَخَطَمَ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِكُمْ If a person finds that his heart is hard, he doesn't feel much, doesn't have fear of Allah, doesn't have compassion, then ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to heal your heart. In the Qur'an we learn, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, هُوَ الَّذِي أَنْشَأَكُمْ وَجَعَلَ لَكُمُ السَّمْعَ وَالْأَبْصَارَ وَالْأَفْئِدَةِ قَلِيلًا مَا تَشْكُرُونَ It is He who has produced you and made for you your hearing and your vision and your hearts. But how little is it that you are grateful? Think about it. How much do you use your eyes? A lot. If you are told that one day, don't open your eyes at all. Could you function properly? Never. What about your hearing? Same thing. You use it so much all the time. We cannot even imagine doing anything without the help of our eyes and ears. But how grateful are we to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for these blessings? We think a blessing is money. We think a blessing is a new phone. And we ignore these greater blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with. And we don't value them. We don't take care of them in the sense that we don't use them in the correct way. Many times we abuse these blessings. When we're listening to something so loud that our ears may be hurting, but still we will listen. Or when we're looking at something continuously, our eyes are burning, but still we will continue to watch. Why? Because we want to. So we abuse these blessings. We don't use them properly. Allah says, قَلِيلًا مَا تَشْكُرُونَ Assalamualaikum. Uh, in the study of the brain, it is shown that the largest portion of the brain is dedicated to sight. And um, just last week, my professor was going over how nothing, no technology has discovered or completely copied like the recognition that your brain has. The fact that you're, you can, when you see something, you can not only recognize what it is and also how far away it is from you and its depth. No technology has ever copied that uh, even yet. Yes. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتَكُمْ Have you considered, you, have you ever thought about this? That in أَتَاكُمْ If it came to you, what? عَذَابُ اللَّهِ Punishment of Allah بَغْتَةً Suddenly أو, Or جَهْرَةً Manifestly Have you ever thought about this? That what if the punishment of Allah came upon you unexpectedly or manifestly? بَغْتَةً Suddenly without any previous warning, by surprise, and jahratan, you know, is when something happens openly, when something happens publicly. So jahratan, it comes while you see it coming, or you were expecting it. You know, there are many things that happen in this dunya, which are really a complete surprise for people. Like for example, there could be an earthquake, there could be a storm, a tsunami or something, whatever it may be. But we see that many times, people have no idea that it was coming. Isn't that? Which is why they're not prepared for it. And when they're not prepared for it, they suffer a lot. And at the same time, there are many natural disasters that people have predicted. Alright? Because of 
the technology that people have. And because of that reason, people are well prepared. But still, despite being well prepared, are they able to save themselves 100%? No. Are they able to protect themselves 100%? No. They still suffer. They can save lives, but they can't save property. They can save maybe 80% of lives, but not 100%. So think about it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can send disaster upon you. How? Without any warning. And also, He can send it upon you as you see it coming. Yet, you cannot do anything to save yourself. You cannot do anything to run away. Hal is yuhlaku. He is destroyed. Illa except al-qawmul zalimun, the wrongdoing people. Meaning, if the punishment comes this way, then who do you think would be destroyed? Who do you think would be punished? Those who are wrongdoers. In other words, it is only such people who will be affected by the punishment of Allah. But we see that many times, like for example, Aisha anha, when she also asked the Prophet ﷺ about this, that what if there is a person who is innocent amongst a group of people on whom a calamity has befallen? He is not sinful, he is not mushrik, he believes in Allah, he is a righteous person, but he is also you know, part of them and as a result he suffers like they have suffered. So the Prophet ﷺ said that on the Day of Judgment, people will be resurrected how? On their actions. In the sense that whatever they were doing, whatever belief they had, that is what they will be resurrected with. So eventually everybody has to die. Eventually everybody has to go. But on the Day of Judgment, people will be raised on their fates. So, هَلْ يُهْلَكُ إِلَّا So what's the lesson in this ayah? That never feel safe and secure. Never feel safe and secure. Because a disaster can befall you anytime. So a person can never feel safe from who? The punishment of Allah. He can never feel that yes, now I'm home, so everything will be perfectly fine. So many times it has happened that people die in their homes. Right? There's a storm outside, lightning hits, and a person dies in his own house. Perhaps in his own bed, holding their own cell phone. Doesn't it happen? It happens so many times. So never feel safe. All of this is being mentioned. Why? To make us realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who created you, also has power over you. So how can you ignore Him? How can you live a life while being heedless towards Him? How can you go on day after day while not thanking Him? While not fearing His punishment? How can you live day after day disobeying Him? You cannot, you should not. Because you're never safe from Him. You are within His power and control and full ability. وَمَا أَنَّاتْ نُرْسِلُ We send المرسلين, The messengers, plural of مُرْسَل إِلَّا except مُبَشِّرِينَ As ones who bring good news وَمُنْزِرِينَ And as ones who bring warning. The prophets who came brought good news and brought warning. And Muhammad has also brought good news and warning. The ayat before, what are they? A warning. And at the same time, good news is also given. فَمَنْ آمَنَ So whoever believed, وَأَصْلَحَ And he reformed, فَلَا سُنَاتْ خَوْفٌ Any fear عَلَيْهِمْ upon them, وَلَا And nor whom they يَحْزَنُونَ They will grieve. Good news is given over here. The messengers brought, clear message containing warning and good news. So those people who believe and do righteous good deeds, aslaha, they reform themselves, they improve their deeds, then such people, they will have no fear, nor will they grieve. When? In the hereafter. 
Fear a person has of what? Of the future. Alright? And huzn, regret a person has of the past. So on the day of judgment, in the hereafter, such people will have no fear of the future. Because once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told them, that I have bestowed upon you my happiness, so I will never be upset with you, then such a person will have no fear. In this dunya, however, a person is always fearful. Right? That what if? What if Allah is upset with me? What if I don't die a good death? What if you know I do something wrong? There is fear. And in the hereafter, again, no huzn, no grief, no regret over the past. Because they live their lives trying to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we want to be free of fear and grief, then what is necessary? That we are afraid now. And we are regretful over our past sins now. So that we are safe from these two things in the hereafter. Because the one who lives in this dunya without fear, okay, and regret, then this person will have fear and regret where? In the hereafter. What does it mean by this? The one who lives without fear and regret in this dunya. That he doesn't have any fear of the consequences of his actions. And he has no regret over the wrong that he has committed. So he lives a life of heedlessness, careless, just fulfilling their desires. So such a person will have fear and huzn where? In the hereafter. So a believer, he's never fearless of Allah's punishment in the dunya. Likewise, he's always regretful over the wrong that he has committed in the past. But it's amazing how sometimes people say that, you know, I've never committed any sin. Why is this happening to me? Really? Who can claim that I have never committed any sin? Every son of Adam is sinful. Even Adam a.s. he made a mistake. Every human being errs. Khattaun. We are all sinners. We all make mistakes. And because of those mistakes, we should be fearful and we should also have regret. And this is why we should keep striving to improve ourselves and keep seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. وَالَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا And those people who deny بِآيَاتِنَا with our signs يَمَسُّهُمْ It will touch them. It will afflict them. What will touch them? Al-adab, The punishment. بِمَا كَانُوا يَفْسُقُونَ بِمَا Because of what? كَانُوا They used to يَفْسُقُونَ They used to cross limits. They disobey. So what do we see over here? That the messengers brought good news and warning. People who believe improve themselves in the hereafter, no fear, no regret. But those people who reject, who refuse to believe, then what will happen with them? يَمَسُّهُمُ الْعَذَابِ The punishment will touch them. Just imagine. يَمَسُّهُمُ الْعَذَابِ The punishment will touch them. As if the punishment is reaching out to them. Think about it. What touches you? Something that reaches out to you, hmm? has contact with you, touches you. So just like that, hellfire will be like a wild animal reaching out for people. Reaching out for those who are to enter it. We learn in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say on the day of judgment to the hellfire, Halim talati, Are you full now? Are you full now? And it will say, Halmim mazid, Are there any more? As if ready to take in more, ready to go and leap on others and grab them. 
take them within itself. So يَمَسُّهُمُ الْعَذَابِ The punishment will touch them. Just imagine if there is some creature that you're really afraid of, really afraid of, whether it's a spider or a dog or whatever, a lion, and imagine it reaches out to you. It reaches out to you. And sometimes, for example, a spider hasn't even bitten a person, has just barely touched the person, and they start screaming out of fear. So just like that, يَمَسُّهُمُ الْعَذَابِ The punishment is going to touch them, it's going to afflict them. They won't be able to get away from it. يَمَسُّهُمُ الْعَذَابِ Why? What's the reason behind that? What's mentioned in the ayah? بِمَا كَانُوا يَفْسُقُونَ Because of their own sins. Because of their crossing the limits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set for them. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ أَخَذَ اللَّهُ سَمْعَكُمْ وَأَبْصَارَكُمْ وَخَتَمَ عَلَى قُلُوبِكُمْ مَنْ إِلَهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِهِ انظُرْ كَيْفَ نُصَدِّفُ الْآيَاتِ ثُمَّ هُمْ يَصْدِفُونَ قُلْ أَرَأَيْتَكُمْ إِنْ أَتَاكُمْ عَذَابُ اللَّهِ بَغْتَةً أَوْ جَهْرَةً هَلْ يُهْلَكُ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الظَّالِمُونَ وَمَا نُرْسِلُ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِلَّا مُبَشِّرِينَ وَمُنْذِرِينَ فَمَنْ آمَنَ وَأَصْلَحَ فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ وَالَّذِينَ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا يَمَسُّهُمُ الْعَذَابُ بِمَا كَانُوا يَفْسُقُونَ Death seeks a person. Punishment finds a person. And on the Day of Judgment, hell will also reach out to the guilty. It's something that a person cannot escape, except with iman and righteousness. Because that, as though it shields a person, protects him from the punishment of Allah. قُلْ say, لَا not. أَقُولُ لَكُمْ I say to you, say, O Prophet ﷺ to the people, that I have never claimed, I never say to you, that in thee, with me, that I have, I possess, Allah, the treasures of Allah, the storehouses of Allah. Khazain, basically treasures. Okay, It refers to, like for example, a treasure chest, for instance. Okay, It's closed, but within it is what? Valuable things. So just like that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has storehouses of various rizq. For instance, water. Where is it stored? A lot of supply of pure water. Where is it stored? In what form is it stored? Hmm? Ice. For example, icebergs. Okay, These are what? Khazain of Allah. Alright? So, the Prophet ﷺ is made to say that, O oh people, I have never claimed that I own the storehouses, the treasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wala and nor a'lamu I know al ghaiba the unseen. I have never claimed that I know the unseen. Wala and nor aqulu I say lakum to you that inni malak, that indeed I am an angel. I never say these things to you because these things are not true about me. 
Rather, the Prophet ﷺ is who? A human being. In not attabi'u, I follow illa except ma that which yuha ilayya, which has been revealed to me. I am not an angel. I am not someone who knows the unseen. I don't possess the storehouses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, it's quite the opposite. I am a human being and I follow what I have been told. I convey what I have been given. In attabi'u illa ma yuha ilayya. I only follow what has been revealed to me. And following over here gives two meanings. First of all, I convey it. And secondly, I do it myself. So I am a follower. I am a servant. In this ayah, what is being said? The mushrikeen of Makkah, they would say about the Prophet ﷺ, what kind of a prophet is he if he eats and drinks and he also marries and he's just like us. He suffers from illness and he gets happy, he's sad, he gets angry. He's a human being just like us. So how how is he a prophet? Because generally, when we think about righteous people, what do we think? That they should, you know, someone who has true dreams all the time, right? And they should be able to meet somebody and be able to tell, okay, what kind of a person they are. Which is why whatever a righteous person says, we follow it blindly sometimes. We think that it's like equal to the Qur'an. The kind of status that people give sometimes to righteous people. Or sometimes we believe that they should be so righteous that they should be praying tahajjud you know, every day. And if they say, yes, I sleep six hours a night, we say, oh, then there's nothing special about you. You're no different than I am. And if they take a nap in the afternoon, again, you're a human being, you're just normal like me. What's so special about you? When we think about righteous people, we want them to be you know, someone who has supernatural powers maybe. Okay? Or someone who knows. Or someone who understands everything. Which is why if we see a shortcoming in them, we completely you know, dismiss them. We don't give any importance to them after that. Whereas we forget that a person, he may have knowledge, he may be righteous, but at the end of the day, who is he? A human being. So he makes mistakes, just like we make mistakes. He doesn't know everything, just like we don't know everything. Remember the story I told you about Imam Malik? That some people went to him, every day they asked him questions, and what was the answer that he gave? I don't know. I don't know. Now imagine if there's a big scholar, and you go to them, and you ask them a question, and they say, I don't know. What would you say? What kind of a scholar they are? I don't think they're any scholar. Why do people call them you know, a scholar? What kind of a sheikh they are? They're not a sheikh. They just probably read things off the internet, and they come and give khutbas, and people think that, oh, they're very knowledgeable. The fact is that yes, they have more knowledge than you perhaps, but they don't know everything. At the end of the day, they are human being just like you. So they have shortcomings just like you. Just like that if a person finds out that so and so a religious person, they are divorced, we're like, oh my God, they must be a really evil person inside. You know, they portray such a good image, but inside they must be very different. We forget that they are human beings. You know, other good people also go through divorce. So what if there's a religious person who goes through divorce? What's the big deal? And Rasulullah told them that I will tell you a few days later because he was waiting for the wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he forgot to say inshallah. And so many days passed away but the wahi didn't come. And Rasulullah was getting worried. And then the way he came, and Allah Ta'ala specifically uh, told Rasulullah 
that you didn't say it, inshallah. That's why I delayed. Whenever you say something, you have some intention to tell somebody and you are waiting a message from me, then say, inshallah, if Allah wills. So the Prophet ﷺ also, people went up to him and they asked him things and they expected immediate answers. But the fact is that he wasn't making things up. It wasn't from himself. He was who? A follower. He had to wait for the revelation. So the mushrikeen of Makkah, when they saw such human characteristics in him, they said, what kind of a prophet are you? You must not be a prophet. You must be an ordinary human being. So the Prophet ﷺ is made to say over here, to tell them, yes, I am a human being. I have never claimed that I own the treasures of Allah. No, I don't own any of them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the raziq. He is the one who provides rizq. You know, like sometimes people will go to a scholar or a righteous person and they will say, uh, you know, please make dua for me, that you know things become easy for me. Or just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. But the thing is that they are a human being. They don't know what's going on in your life. You can judge best what you should be doing in your life. You can consult them, but at the end of the day, you are best aware of your circumstances. But people ask others, thinking that they should tell me exactly what to do. How can they tell you? They've never seen the people whom you're talking about. They've never seen you dealing with the problems. You're just here asking them questions and you expect you know, complete detail of what you should be doing. So the Prophet ﷺ is made to say over here, that tell them, I do not own the khaza'in of Allah. I do not know the knowledge of the unseen. I do not say that I am an angel. Instead, I only follow what has been revealed to me. Qul say, Hal is yastawi. He is equal. Who? Al-A'ma, the blind one, wal-basir, and the seeing one. Are the two equal? Who? The blind and the seeing. A question is being asked. A person who cannot see and a person who can see. Are they equal? No, they're not equal. And over here, particularly the blindness is not just that of the eyes, but of the heart. The blindness is of the heart. That a person who recognizes the truth, and on the other hand, someone who doesn't recognize the truth. Are they the same? No. So how can someone who has iman and someone who doesn't have iman be the same? Do you not reflect then? Meaning reflect, use your mind. anzir. The Prophet ﷺ is told, and warn, bihi, with it. With what? With this Qur'an. This Qur'an that is revealed to you, that you are to follow yourself, the same Qur'an you should use to warn people with. anzir bihi. Warn people with what? This Qur'an. But many times people like to warn others, how? With their own power. Huh? I'm watching you. I know what you're doing. I'm going to check on you. So okay, sometimes it's effective. But what's more effective? That when people have the fear of Allah. So, وَأَنزِرْ بِهِ Warn with this Qur'an. Who? الَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ Those people who fear. Warn the people who fear. They are already afraid. Why warn them? Generally, what do we think? We should warn who? People who don't have fear of Allah. But over here, it is being said that warn those who fear. Why? Because it is only those who fear who will benefit from that warning. 
It is only those who fear who will benefit from that warning. In the Quran, Surah Yasin, Ayah 11, إِنَّمَا تُنْذِرُ مَنِ اتَّبَعَ الذِّكْرَ وَخَشِيَ الرَّحْمَانَ بِالْغَيْبِ You can only warn he who follows the reminder and fears the most merciful even when he is alone. Only such a person you can warn. Meaning warning can only benefit him. For example, two children. One is aware of spiders. And the other has no idea what a spider is. Why? Because of the young age. Let's say there's a baby. And on the other hand, there's a three-year-old kid. And there's a big spider crawling. You say, spider, watch out. So the three-year-old will get up and run away. And the baby, what will the baby do? It will just lie down, babbling away. And perhaps it will see the spider even coming close to itself. It will probably reach out to it in order to grab it. Because it doesn't know that it's a spider. Right? And you're warning, you're screaming, you're yelling, is not going to benefit them. It might frighten them. Why? Because you're yelling. They'll cry because they got scared of your yelling. But they're not going to cry because they're afraid of the spider. And on the other hand, the three-year-old child, as soon as he finds out spider, he will get up and run away. What's the difference over here? One is afraid and the other is not. One knows and the other does not know. So warning benefits who? Those who know. وَأَنذِرْ بِهِ And warn with this Qur'an. الَّذِينَ يَخَافُونَ Those people who fear. And that يُحْشَرُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ They will be gathered to their Lord. Meaning they will be brought to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those who fear, who are aware that one day they will be taken to Allah. They will be brought before Allah. Do you fear that? Ask yourself, am I one of these people? Do I fear that one day I will be brought to Allah? Because Allah says, لَيْسَ لَهُمْ They will not have مِن دُونِهِ Besides Him وَلِيٌّ Any wali, any friend, any protector وَلَا shafir, Nor any intercessor. On that day, they will have no one to protect them and they will have no one to intercede for them. لَيْسَ لَهُمْ مِن دُونِهِ وَلِيٌّ وَلَا شَفِيرٌ So such people who realize this, Allah says, warn them with this Qur'an. Convey the Qur'an to them. Tell them more about what's in the Qur'an. Why? لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَّقُونَ So that they would adopt taqwa. So that they become righteous. So in other words, what is being mentioned over here is that the person who has fear of being brought to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is afraid of going to Allah. Then this is a very good sign. A very good sign. Someone who fears the akhirah, this is a very good sign. Because inshallah, they will benefit from the Qur'an. So if there is any person in whom you see this fear of facing Allah, of meeting Allah on the day of judgment, such a person should be given the Qur'an. Such a person should be taught the Qur'an. Why? Because then, لَعَلَّهُمْ يَتَّقُونَ Then they will become more righteous. They will increase in their taqwa. And at the same time, there is a warning over here. That if there is a person who doesn't fear meeting Allah, he says, yeah, when I meet Allah, I'll tell him this and this. Yeah, whatever. I wonder if there is even any resurrection. You know, we'll survive somehow or the other. Such a person, no matter how much Qur'an is given to them, will they adopt taqwa? Will they increase in their taqwa? No, they won't. So the Qur'an benefits who? Those who fear Al-Akhirah. And those who don't fear Al-Akhirah, the Qur'an doesn't benefit them.
وأنذر به الذين يخافون أن يحشروا إلى ربهم ليس لهم من دونه ولي ولا شفيع لعلهم يتقون so that they would adopt taqwa so that they increase in their righteousness and what is this righteousness what is this piety what is this taqwa a poet once said خلي الذنوب leave all sins صغيرها وكبيرها the small ones and the big ones That is taqwa. So what is taqwa? Leaving all sins, whether small or big. Meaning that a person never deliberately commits a sin, whether it is small or it is big. It doesn't mean that the person who has taqwa is 100% pure, so he never commits a sin. What it means is that he doesn't deliberately do it. Accidentally, many things happen. But deliberately, he doesn't do it. When he realizes what he's about to do, then he stops himself. So, خَلِّ الذُّنُوبَ صَغِيرَهَا وَكَبِيرَهَا ذَاكَ التُّقَى Now many times when it comes to big sins, we're very conscious about them. Hmm? Like for example, shirk, oh never, I'd never prostrate before an idol. Hmm? Likewise, when it comes to qatl, murder, we're like, no, no, alhamdulillah, I never ever think about that. When it comes to zina, we say, no, 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 never. But when it comes to صَغِيرَهَا the small sins, little, little sins, then we commit them very, very easily. Little sins like saying words of sarcasm, hurting other people's feelings. Hmm? Just like that, false assumption about other people. Alright? Likewise, in salah, leaving something out, out of haste. For example, you know that you should be saying Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim, for instance, at least three times. But you said, no, whatever. I'm just going to go into Rukur and get up immediately. I'm just going to go into Sujood and get up immediately. I'm not even going to say Subhanallah bil-A'la once. Who's listening to me? Nobody knows what I'm saying. So this is also a sin. This is actually theft of salah. So, خَلِّ الذُّنُوبَ صَغِيرَهَا وَكَبِيرَهَا Leave all sins, whether small or big. Likewise, we think that a big sin is, for example, throwing something really dirty and najis in the masjid. Something really filthy in the masjid, that's what? A big sin. But at the same time, if we're throwing tissue that is used, right? That is also a khatiyah. Especially if it has filth in it. Alright? Because in the hadith, what do we learn? Spitting in the masjid is a sin. Likewise, we're not going to go on doing graffiti on the walls of the masjid. But many times people do graffiti where? On the desks. They will write things on the desk. Look at the desks in front of you. You will always find something either written on them or below them or something dirty stuck under them. This is polluting the masjid. We think, no, I'm very civilized person. It was that Bedouin who came into the masjid and peed in the masjid. We don't do such things. But we do little things which are sometimes equally obnoxious. Sticking gum under a desk on which Qur'an is to be placed and recited and memorized and understood. You think that's not a sin? You think that's not wrong? You think Allah will be happy with that? So, خَلِّ الذُّنُوبَ صَغِيرَهَا وَكَبِيرَهَا Leave all sins, small and big. ذَاكَ التُّقَى وَعْمَلْ And work, meaning whenever you do any action, whenever you perform any deed, do so. Like the one who walks on thorny ground. Whenever you're doing something, do so 
like a person who is walking on thorny ground yahdharu ma yara he is cautious of what he sees meaning he's trying to save himself from the thorns that he sees so just like that no matter what you're doing never be 100% relaxed that yeah everything will be fine i'll never make a mistake everything will be good no be conscious and careful like someone who is walking on thorny ground he is so careful about where he steps and how much pressure he puts right why because he is afraid of what he sees he is conscious la tahtaqiranna saghiraha the poet said do not belittle the small sins do not belittle any of the sins the small ones why fa innal jibala min al hisa because indeed mountains they're made from what pebbles pebbles they're made from pebbles heaps sometimes you will see they're made of what pebbles winter is coming inshallah you will see lots of snow sometimes literally a mountain of snow and it's made of what snowflakes think about it all that is what tiny tiny snowflakes that fell down from the sky and now there's so many that literally it's like a mountain of snow so la tahtaqiranna saghiraha fa inna al jibala min al This is what taqwa is. Leaving all sins small and big. The Prophet ﷺ is told, وَلَا تَطْرُدْ And do not send away. Do not drive away. Do not dismiss. تَطْرُدْ is from طَرَادَ And طَرْد is to chase someone away. To dismiss someone. So لَا تَطْرُدْ Do not dismiss. Do not chase away. Who? الَّذِينَ Those people who يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ Who call upon their Lord. When do they call upon their Lord? بِالْغَدَاتِ In the morning, وَالْعَشِيِّ And the evening. Those people who remember Allah, who are calling upon Allah in the morning and the evening. And when somebody does something in the morning and the evening, what does it mean? They're doing it all the time basically. So they're worshipping Allah, praying morning and evening all the time. This is what they do. Why are they doing this? يُرِيدُونَ They want وَجْهَهُ his face. Because ultimately, they want to see Allah. They want to make Allah happy. They want His pleasure. This is why they're worshipping Allah in the morning and the evening. The Prophet ﷺ is told, do not send them away. Meaning, do not tell them to go away from your company. Rather, when they come to you, keep them with you. Spend your time with them. So we see that the Prophet ﷺ is being advised over here to keep company with who? Those who remember Allah in the morning and the evening. Why? Because when you will be among such people, then you will do the same thing. You will also remember Allah in the morning and the evening. Think about it. If you're with a person who wants to eat out in the morning and in the evening, in the morning they want to go to Tim Hortons, in the evening they want to go to some restaurant. If you spend your time with them, tell me, do you want to do the same thing as well? Do you want to? Of course. If you leave your house in the morning with your brother and he says, want something from Tim Hortons? Why? Because he's getting a coffee for himself. You're like, sure, I'll take an extra small French vanilla. Right? And then what happens? When he picks you up from school, he's like, okay, I'm just going to stop by over here to grab myself a shawarma. Do you want one? Mm, sure, I'll get one too. And then the more you go out with him, the more you develop that habit. And then one day it will happen that you'll drive yourself and you'll say, I want my coffee. And you'll be coming back home and you'll say, I want my pizza. Right? So when you stay with people, 
automatically you develop their habits. You start doing the same thing that they are doing. So the Prophet ﷺ, imagine the one whom Jibreel visited. He is being told, you stay with people who remember Allah in the morning and the evening. So it doesn't matter what you've studied. It doesn't matter if you study Qur'an on the weekends. You still have to keep company with good people throughout the week. Because if you don't have righteous company throughout the week, it doesn't matter what you do on the weekend. What you will learn will get washed off. Tell me, am I right? Am I right? Do experiences or not? Of course we do. So, وَلَا تَطْرُدِ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ And notice he's being told, don't send them away. Because sometimes what happens is that you want to be with some other people too. You want to hang out with some different people too. So you're like, you know what, this person, she's got a hijab on, she has an abaya as well. And then if people listen to music, she's going to object. So you're like, send her away for something, send them away, or you avoid them. No, stay with them. Because when you will stay with them, you will be safe as well, inshaAllah. مَا عَلَيْكَ مِنْ حِسَابِهِمْ مِنْ Allah says, مَا not عَلَيْكَ upon you مِنْ حِسَابِهِمْ From their account, مِنْ شَيْءٍ of anything. Meaning you are not going to be held accountable for their deeds. وَمَا أَنْوَرْ مِنْ حِسَابِكَ From your account, عَلَيْهِمْ upon them مِنْ شَيْءٍ From anything. Meaning they are not going to be accountable for your deeds. Each person is going to be held responsible for whose deeds? His own deeds. Basically, this ayah was revealed with regards to a request of the mushrikeen of Makkah. The Prophet ﷺ, when he delivered the message, which kind of people believed in him initially? What kind of people were they? People who were very well off? Yes. People who were oppressed? Right? People who were perhaps poor? Alright? Who were slaves previously? Or who were still slaves? Why? Because they saw the freedom that the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought them. Right? It gave them hope. Because in this dunya there is no justice. But when you know there is akhirah, and justice will be established over there, then the deen of Allah answers all of your questions. So initially, it was many such people who embraced Islam. And the thing is, that people who are wealthy, people who have status, many times what prevents them from accepting is what? Their status and their wealth. Because they belong to a different kind of social circle. And if they change, then they will lose the support of their friends, of their social circle, and they don't want to be abandoned. They will lose their business partners, right? It will affect them economically. It will affect them socially. So this is why even though they recognize the truth many times, they were prevented from accepting it because of material reasons. But the poor, the oppressed, what do they have to lose? Nothing. In fact, they only have more to gain. This is why the prophets of Allah, the first believers in them were who? The weak ones, the oppressed ones. Alright? And we learned that Hiraqul, Hiraqul is a Roman king, when he asked Abu Sufyan that what kind of people have believed in Muhammad wasallam, So he said, it's the poor, the oppressed. And Hiraqul said that yes, it is always such people who are the followers of the prophets who are the first ones to follow him. Nuh also, who followed him initially? It was the weak ones. All the prophets of Allah, same thing happened with them. So anyway, 
the Prophet ﷺ, he would convey the message to all people. Now, those who had embraced Islam, who would remember Allah in the morning and the evening, many of them were oppressed and weak, they would stay with the Prophet ﷺ most of the time. Now the mushrikeen of Makkah, those who had high status, who had power, who had money, they would want to come to the Prophet ﷺ sometimes and ask him questions, but they would say, we're not going to sit here until you send Bilal away. We're not going to sit with you until you send this and this person away. Because it doesn't befit our majesty. It doesn't befit our high social status that we sit next to a slave. That we sit next to a person who doesn't own anything. That we sit next to a person who has a very low social status. So they made this request to the Prophet ﷺ. Now, the Prophet ﷺ was very, very eager right, that these people should accept Islam. So he wanted them to come and sit with him so that he would recite the Qur'an to them, answer any of their questions, you know, offer them. So for a few moments he thought that maybe I should send these companions of mine away for a little while. Let these people have their own private time. And then when they're okay, when they believe, then inshallah everything should be okay. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stopped him. He said, no, you are not going to send these people away for the sake of these arrogant ones. You are not going to send the people who remember Allah morning and evening seeking His pleasure. You're not going to send them away just because you want to make the elite happy. No, you can't do that. Because at the end of the day, what is it that makes a person honorable in the sight of Allah? Is it his money? Is it his social status? No. Is it his physical appearance? No. What is it that makes a person honorable in the sight of Allah? It's his iman. It's his faith. It's his calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is what elevates a person in the sight of Allah. So we might be thinking that yes, this person who came in such an expensive car, who's physically so attractive or what, they you know, deserve more attention from us as opposed to these ordinary people. No. Who deserves attention from you? The one who worships Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who remembers Allah in the morning and the evening. They deserve more attention from you. This is why you should spend your time with them. You should not send them away just to please some arrogant people. Allah says, فَتَطْرُدَهُمْ So if you were to leave them, if you were to send them away, فَتَكُونَ Then you would be مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ Of the wrongdoers. If you were to send these companions away, then you would be committing zulm. This would be injustice. How would this be injustice? Because how is it fair that on the one hand is a person who is eager to learn more. He is sitting in your company. And you send him away just because someone doesn't want him to be there? That's injustice. You have to be fair with people. In a hadith we learn, Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas, he said, there was a group of six of us with the Prophet ﷺ. And the mushrikeen said, tell these people to leave so they will not offend us. Because if they're here, we'll get offended. We cannot sit with them. Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas, he said, there was myself, Ibn Mas'ud, a man from Hudayl, Bilal, and two other men whose names I have forgotten. Allah's Messenger ﷺ thought to himself about whatever Allah willed he should think about. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this. Ayah, stopping him from sending his companions away. 
So what's the lesson in this for us? How can we benefit from this ayah? Hmm? How can we benefit from this ayah? Don't be eager to be with some people just because of their high social status or just because of their beauty or their eloquence. right? Or just because they know everybody. No, that should not be a reason. If you want to be friends with someone just because they're rich, I'm sorry, that's very wrong. You should be friends with someone because of who they are. Not because they're rich so that they'll give you gifts. Okay? What else do we learn from this ayah? What lesson can we take for ourselves from this? Yes? We can tell that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't look at the person's material belongings and how rich you are, but on your inside, because the Prophet, these are the people who are poor, but since they believed and they were eager to learn, uh, Allah did not let the Prophet turn yes. away. So let's not judge people based on their physical appearance. Okay? Let's not judge people based on their physical appearance. So just because someone is rich, we think, oh, they must be a good person. Or just because they have a high social status, what they say is definitely right. No, don't be in awe of them. Don't be in awe of them. That just because they have a high social status, we think whatever they say is right, so I have to listen to them. No, you don't have to listen to them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you your own heart as well. Yes? Be friends with pious people because a company really matters. Like if you put an apple and you put a rotten apple with the good ones, then the, all those apples will become rotten. Yes, very true. So company affects you. So be with righteous people regardless of their social status. Don't think that this ayah means that rich people are evil people. No, this is not what the ayah means. This means that you should go past a person's physical appearance, their material possessions, and seek the person who they are inside. And if they are a righteous person, even though they may be very well off, they're worth befriending. And if they're a righteous person, even though they may be poor, they're worth making friends with. Yes. Sometimes you're so engrossed and so involved and so engaged and stuck up with your work that you forget about the azan time, you know. So everyone has their azan program um, on the phone. So whenever azan goes on, she always reminds me, oh, azan, come and save namaz first. So that's kind of a reminder for me because maybe I'll get late for namaz because I'm so much busy sometimes in my work. But she always reminds me that, no, go and say namaz first. Very so, true. I mean, it's and if we are with people who don't even bother to pray salah, then who will remind you at maghrib that it's time to pray? Yesterday we were at a restaurant, it was Maghrib time, and just before Maghrib we were getting ready to leave. And I saw people coming in, and these were all Muslims, okay, coming in to eat at that time. I mean, you can give benefit of the doubt that, okay, one or two sisters are not praying, but how can a group of five, six sisters not pray at the same time? Right? And it's Maghrib. Maghrib is coming in now, and you're coming to eat at a restaurant at this time. So it doesn't matter if your friend wears a hijab even. What's the key? يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ Do they remember Allah in the morning and the evening? Because sometimes the hijab is there, abaya is there, even niqab is there, but the remembrance of Allah is not there at all. The question is that if we were to always stay in the company of good people, then our interaction with other people will be limited. And then how are we meant to influence them? Alright? Because when a person stays within only righteous people, then he becomes sometimes very close-minded, and then he doesn't know what's going on in the rest of the world, he doesn't know how to interact with them, he doesn't know how to influence them, then how do we you know, solve this issue? 
The thing is that you have different kinds of people in your life. Right? Some people are close to you. Right? You spend more time with them. You call them friends. Okay? And then there are other people who are, you can say, acquaintances. Right? You know them, but they don't influence you that much. Right? You don't spend that much time with them. We see that the Prophet ﷺ, most of the time, he spent with who? With who? His companions who were righteous men. But we also see him interacting with other people. He also spoke to the mushrikeen. He also addressed their leaders. Alright? Sometimes one-on-one and sometimes, you know, collectively. So, this doesn't mean that you boycott the rest of the world. You don't speak to anybody and you only speak to your own small circle of friends. No, this means that you should have a group of friends who keep you on the right path. Okay? People whom you should be spending some time with at least. You know, for example, if a person is in school full-time, alright, they're there five days a week, and they're around people who don't pray, who are not even Muslim, okay, this is a need. You have to study, or you have to work. You are with them. You don't have a choice over there. But don't stay in their company only. Also have some good friends who influence you. Spend some time with them at least. No matter how busy you are, even if you're writing your thesis, still spend some time with righteous people who will remind you about what is important, who will make you see your mistakes, who will make you realize that your vocabulary is not that pure anymore. There are some words that shouldn't be there. So you need such people in your life. And make sure that no matter what stage of life you're in, no matter where you are, what you're doing, you're always connected with some people who will keep you on the right track. Only the first thing you have to do is prioritize your time and who you contact. And you have, like before I used to go to work, I don't have nobody there. The workplace is like more than 30 people and only me, a Muslim. And another guy, he doesn't break. So it's different when I'm like at school or at Duxi or at home. It's different because you have this help the other people to remind you to pray this and this. Like now, what I did was like I have a group of friends that we don't see each other, but they call me whenever there's a janazah at the mosque, when there is a lecture, whenever um, there is a meeting. Those are, and I have another group that I talk to on the phone only. We decided that every night we say we have to tell each other one good thing that we, I learned today. Mm-hmm. So I may be, so every day I'm busy to find something new that I have to tell them tonight because if I don't have it, what I'm going to tell to the night. So it depends how you prioritize. Exactly. So the main thing is keep in touch with righteous people. Stay in touch with them. There should be at least one or two people who can tell you that what you're saying is not right, what you're doing is not right. By the way, your hijab, you know, what's wrong with it these days? Right? By the way, what's happening to your clothes? You know, because other people won't say that to you, but a friend who is close to you can say something like that to you. So always have such people in your life who will point your mistakes, who will remind you of Allah in the morning and in the evening. Because if you leave them, فَتَكُونَ مِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ You would be of who? Of who? Wrongdoers.